0: Mistakes, always mistakes. You yourself are a unique mistake.
1: The first
2: record I ever bought completely randomly by accident was Beethoven's Emperor Concerto. It was a, a shop which mended televisions and I think bicycles as well. And they had um, vinyl records. um, And so I bought this record, not knowing what what Beethoven meant, what anything meant. Beethoven was really part of my nervous system from from the, the times when I discovered music.
3: a terrific insight into the real person and they give me great comfort from the letters i know that beethoven wasn't a god he was human
0: welcome to amplify
4: This week we mark Beethoven's 250th anniversary with a special episode featuring contributions from Irish composers about his influence on and inspiration behind some of their works. You're listening to Gerald Barry's Beethoven performed by Crash Ensemble on the album Barry Meets Beethoven on Orchid Classics and you'll hear from Gerald in this episode along with Raymond Dean, Jane O'Leary, Eric Egan and Sean Clancy. A selection of Beethoven's letters are read by Bernard Clarke and for a list of all the music and excerpts used please see the show notes for the podcast.
5: My name is Raymond Dean. I'm a composer, pianist, uh, and a few other things, uh, author, political activist. I discovered him as a child because I I, I, I started the piano when I was about six. Uh, And by the age of 10, you know, I was playing things like Före liese and the first movement of the Moonlight Sonata. Uh, and for a long time, that was my Beethoven. I was a very sort of nocturnal romantic.
2: I bought these records, and we didn't have a record player. It's independent to the play them on. So all I could do was study the records, and what was written on them. They used to have advertisements on the back, all kinds of things, and I, I used to, you know, and um, take out the record and smell it and all that kind of, kind of thing because I couldn't play it. But then eventually I did um, get a record
5: player. We moved to Dublin when I was 10 from Achill Island. I became completely obsessed with Beethoven for the time. I'd go to the public library and get out um, the piano sonatas. I had an next door neighbour who was a music lover and who kind of took me under her wing and she took me to my first symphony concert I remember in the, in the Gaiety Theatre. Uh, but then she gave me uh, a single-volume, complete edition of the Beethoven piano sonatas. And of course, being uh, completely fanatical at the time, I played through all 32 sonatas. By that stage, I was about 12. So you can imagine that, that my, my, some of my playing was pretty, it was bluffing.
2: Asking someone what effect Beethoven has had on you is rather like asking what effect the sun or the rain have on you. It's, it's indefinable, really, and um, it's rather like the COVID, it's in the air. It's a,
5: I was already composing at that point, and I don't think I could say that that my composition was influenced by by Beethoven. Uh, but there are a couple of later compositions in which there are, are references to Beethoven. The only one that's completely based on Beethoven is uh, a very grim piece called "Ecar" for string trio that uh, I wrote, I think, in 1986, uh, and that is based on the middle movement of the Les Adieux piano sonata, the Abwesenheit uh, absence. And this is a piece about absence. It's a bad time in my life. Much later on, 2010 thereabouts, when I started composing my noctuary cycle of 12 piano pieces, the very first one, which is called "The Out of Minerva." It's a kind of homage, a kind of implicit homage. To the Moonlight Sonata, I mean Noctuary Moonlight, the Moonlight Sonata, C sharp major, and this, uh, C sharp minor, and, and, and this piece is entirely built around the, the key of C sharp minor. It's not in the key, it's on the key of C sharp minor. So it's a kind of implicit homage to Beethoven. I'm more inclined to listen to the chamber works than I am to the symphonies. I keep hearing this, this humor, and it's not the kind of Clodhopper humor that people assume you're, you're gonna get from somebody like Beethoven, a lot of it is quite subtle. Uh, so, you know, favorite works, it's a dangerous thing. Um, they, keep, they keep shifting around, I keep having new favorites.
3: Jane O'Leary, composer, based here in Galway. I did actually write my most recent quartet, The Passing Sound of Forever, after hearing the Beethoven quartet, Opus 95. I heard it a number of times, and the more I heard it, the more it wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> the opening just, just became an earworm and and sat in my head until I got something out of my own from that. So I took the opening notes of the uh, Opus 95 quartet and started in and and this quartet the passing sound of forever emerged looked closely at what was it that was so exciting about this piece it's the first movement of the quartet and I found the energy the concise style of writing that could take well there are kind of two themes but basically those few notes for Beethoven do everything and we know that from his symphonies primarily the symphonies we find a couple of notes or a small rhythm and there he goes he's got a huge piece and it's all about those few notes or that little rhythm i I find that fascinating so you know i tried to to see what could i do and how could i make it my own music and not a copy of beethoven and and that was important too
0: I'm still feeling unwell and there is little comfort in my home. Yesterday and today I had really horrid meals. This person can't even think. However, when I see you I shall tell you all about her. I know that she means well and probably both servants are not of the worst type. But Nanny, in particular, does not fulfill my requirements.
3: We discovered that the same Emily Anderson that I had known as a translator of Beethoven's and Mozart's letters was actually a Galway girl and grew up here in the university where her father was the president of the university. And she became the first professor of German. She ended up in England working for the war office And when she retired, she devoted herself totally to the the translations of these composers' letters. For me, they're a terrific insight into the real person. He could be very angry. He used to get very fed up with his housekeepers.
0: I really cannot stand the low behaviour of these two women. She's too ill bred, too brutish to be even a housekeeper. But the other one in spite of her looks is even lower than a beast he was very emotional he was often in love but
3: always with the wrong person he was fed up with copyists
0: i have noticed that even the clearest handwriting can be misread moreover it is unpleasant for a composer not to feel sure that his work is Correct.
3: He was fed up with the piano, which wasn't big enough for him. He wanted a bigger instrument and a stronger instrument. And 90% of the letters are business letters, writing, looking for money, saying, I'm desperate. And when I get fed up with the admin side of being a composer, I always think, well, Beethoven had to do this
6: too. I offer you the following... But you must not delay too long in reaching a decision about this. A new grand solemn mass with solo voices and choruses and a full orchestra. They're really
2: extreme and riddled with jokes. He was an incorrigible joker and um, punner to a kind of really tedious degree sometimes.
6: Please do not be anxious about the new. Qu- all the works Everything will be During the first few days Of next month
2: I lived in Vienna you know, For from from one year, 1977-78 Well, I went back and forth On the train between Vienna and Cologne Because uh, I was still studying with Marisa Kagel who was in Cologne But um, I needed more money And I uh, did and get money from <laughs> the Austrian government with the Austrian government and um I pretended to be studying at the um music school in Vienna and I got a very kind professor there, Friedrich uh, to pretend I was his student and so I could get my monthly uh one November, I think it was afternoon, I, I took the tram out to uh a suburb of Vienna where Beethoven used to go at the houses there where he stayed and there's a courtyard area where you can sit and I was sitting there on a the bench And I wondered how Beethoven, when he would move for the summer from Vienna to the suburb, how he brought his piano, you know. And I went to the British Council Library and they had the the Emily Anderson translation of the Beethoven letters. And I took one and (laughs) it fell open at the page, at the letter Beethoven writing to a remover. About the removal of the piano from in Marylebone. You know, it's it, it's kind of one of those occult things. My life is littered with experiences like that. But I was
6: I was amazed by this. All that I can tell you today, Frau Streicher, is that I am here. How I am here and where I am here, that I will soon. Describe to you have the enclosing to the watcher woman commended to me it belongs to the washing which has to be mended. <laughs>
2: of mine now which said Beethoven that was the one called Beethoven he was not beloved the one I've written for our French trans- opera called Mrs. Streicher Mrs. Streicher is Nanette Streicher who was a friend of uh, Beethoven he wrote to her intensely for a year extraordinary correspondence about all his problems and wailing about his servants and life in general and money he was obsessed with
6: money many thanks for the twenty golden you lent me in. My present circumstance says I can no longer behave as I used to behave although my name is still Beethoven. Then I shall come in to town on Man, day or Tuesday when we will discuss the rooms When Stockhausen
2: died, the Aldebar Festival asked me if I would write some text in the program book about him. And the idea just bored me. And I said, no, I I won't do that. If you like, I'll write a piece of music. And so I sent this Beethoven letter. It somehow seemed very Stockhausen, uh, very enigmatic. He He, he said something like, um, I have to sing it in my head to kind of remember the text. Extraordinarily beloved friend.
0: Let us begin with the primary original causes of all things How something came about, wherefore and why it came about in that particular way And became what it is, why something is what it is Why something cannot be exactly so Here, dear friend, we have reached the ticklish point Which my delicacy forbids me to reveal to you at once All that we can say is It cannot be.
7: My name's Eric Egan. I'm an Irish-Norwegian composer. At the moment, I live in in the northeast uh, of England, outside Newcastle. I teach at the University of Durham. The first time I went to the summer course in Darmstadt in 2008, I had just finished writing a string quartet. I think I called it string quartet number three. I had a long talk afterwards with a fellow composer, and he asked, why did you call it a string quartet? And he said that, you know, once you call the piece a string quartet, you're immediately entering into the tradition of the string quartet. I mean, I I agree to some degree. I think there's more to it than that, but this notion of the string quartet, which is part of this important tradition, I guess that takes us into Beethoven to some degree because he was a composer who both worked within a tradition, but on the other hand, struggled to break free from it. I was rereading The Third Policeman at the time, and I came over this quote when uh, he's approaching the police building for the first time, and it's it's on the front cover of of the score. The quotation is, as I approached, the house seemed to change its appearance. At first it had nothing to reconcile itself with the shape of an ordinary house, but it became uncertain in outline, like a thing glimpsed under ruffled water. It's like you've got a a telescope and you're twisting the lens and then suddenly, for a fraction of a second, you can see the moon with all the craters and everything there. And then you twist too far and it, it just disintegrates again. And in my piece, all of the notes, every single passage is taken in some way or another from the third movement of Beethoven's Opus 132 Quartet and then gradually certain fragments start suggesting some sort of notion of something underlying. You get longer and longer notes that hint towards this underlying melody, until you do get a very short fragment, which is almost three-quarters of the way through the piece. You get this small quotation from just the opening passage of the third movement, and then it, it disappears again into the ether. But it's this moment of clarification. To begin with, my, my idea for the piece was to just have everything based on the Beethoven but no one would hear it because I was trying to make this complex argument about the fact that the past is always with us but, you know, we can't see it anymore. But then suddenly it occurred to me in that moment, I was just sitting there working on it and then, I don't know, I just felt really calm and I suddenly realized that actually, although things have changed drastically, I'm still here at a desk writing a string quartet. And the idea of bringing the quotation indirectly just came to me, this notion that suddenly I have this transient moment of common consciousness, of, of understanding.
4: I'm Sean Clancy, and I'm a composer. I've had like quite a, a really nice relationship with this quartet. I think I kind of came across it first when uh, I was just about to start a music degree. Uh, I really fell in love with this A minor one. Uh, it just uh, completely blew me away. The way it was structured, the pacing of each movement into each other movement, and then in the middle of it, you've got this really at the time, for me, was probably the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. It's not like anything else in this world, and and I think that's the, the music that I'm most interested in, the music that's not like anything else. called New Craft Berlin. The title comes from a performance direction in in the score, which I think means with a renewed sense of, of vigor. I think Beethoven wrote it as he was uh, recovering from an illness and I think, I guess, feeling a little bit better about himself. Working with Botsini Quartet, the, the people I wrote the piece for, really changed the way I think about music actually. At the time when I was writing it, I, I wanted to respond to the Beethoven because I really liked the piece. I did it in the way that I, I was kind of working at the time, uh, where using the structure of the original Beethoven and inverting that in a way. So the, the, the Beethoven piece is quite light and uh, cheerful, I suppose, and and um, peaceful. I think is probably the best way of describing it. Whereas my piece, I wouldn't really describe it as thing. I'll describe it as kind of a a negative image of it. I think it, for me anyway, it ends in quite a dark dark place. There's two blocks of material in the in the Beethoven movement there's slow chords and then there's a dance like melody I suppose what I did then was I inverted that so it might be starts with like kind of danced like material and moves into slower chord like material I suppose as I said I think his is a kind of peaceful joyous piece and, and mine uh, isn't <laughs> I suppose it starts off that way but it goes it goes into a dark place um uh, by the end, and I think that's what I ended up wanting to do with it, was um, kind of create a negative image. Most of the way I see and experience the world is through art, either music or visual art. This is the way I experience the Beethoven quartet. My piece is is kind of my experience or translation of that piece.
5: When I became interested in politics and, and uh, became involved in political activism to a certain extent, uh, Beethoven would have been lo- one of those figures that I would have looked at with great interest because what is the relationship between um, art and politics? I, I don't have uh, I that the relationship need be a terribly direct one and it can also be a very inconsistent one. Probably except for my very early childhood, I've always been very resistant to attempts to sublimate artists, and also this idea that you can make some kind of direct relationship between a composer and his or her political convictions that is always going to be consistently expressed in the word. No, it doesn't work like that. There is an aspect to composition or to any kind of artistic work uh, whereby you're it's It's not self expression in any any straightforward sense um and to some extent you're not necessarily fully in control of what you're doing there are some there are processes that are taking place out there somehow or other, and you're tapping into them, and sometimes you're tapping into something that's that's uh, superficially at least in contradiction to um, what you may seem to be to yourself or to others.
3: you had to deal with the same problems of transferring the music that he heard in his head to a place where it could be heard and enjoyed by people and that's what it's all about and that basic process is not straightforward there are a lot of things involved that are not compositional inspirational there are other things and we we have the same problems that we have to deal with. I I find that fascinating.
6: Good morning. On July seven. Though still in bed, my thoughts go out to you, my immortal beloved.
2: Solomon, the biographer, he 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 thinks, having gone through the whole, investigated uh, the whole thing, that the immortal beloved. The identity is is that she is um, Anthony Brentano. She was married very well set up in Frankfurt, I think, rich merchant class. According to Solomon, was willing to give it all up for Beethoven. They may have met somewhere near Prague. He then, the following day, night, and then the following morning, he has the postscript. He writes to her. And um, so the the, quite a long letter. It's a letter which is uh, very strange, it takes, with regard to his um, commitment to her, he takes one step forward and he's afraid um, of completely committing to this kind I think it frightens him. So he says, you know, uh, he pours out his love for her, puts all kinds of obstacles in the way of agreeing to be never with her.
6: My heart. Never. Never. Oh God! Why must one be parted from one whom one so loves? And yet, my life in Vienna is now a wretched life. Your love makes me at once the happiest and the unhappiest of men.
2: It's really like reading about something, somebody having a breakdown, and because he finally had to confront
6: um, himself and that be so connection. my angel I have just been told that the mail coach goes every day therefore I must close at once so that you may receive the letter at once be calm only by a calm consideration of our existence can we achieve our purpose to live together be calm Love me today, yesterday, what tearful longings for you, you, you. My life, my all farewell, or continue to love me. Never miss just the most faithful heart of your beloved, ever thine, ever mine, ever ours, Lord V.